Good evening, everyone. This is Blue Jay beat number one for the men's basketball season, right? Um, Matt DeMarinas right here from White and Blue Review, joined by my good buddy Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald. John, how's it going? Not Coming bad. back from a vacation, you're all like recharged yeah. and ready to go. The thing was, it wasn't a vacation. I, I did travel home to visit family, that's but okay. I... That's not a vacation. That's a vacation. I worked. Oh, yeah. well, I mean... As I worked my normal hours, but then in the evening, instead of like hanging out with my wife, I was hanging out with my mom and my sister and their kids. So it was so just it was a, like different, a different location yeah, for your job. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it was better than Omaha for a little bit. Of change I, I, of pace. I don't know. It felt different and nice, so I'm not going to complain about it. That's good. But I can't call it a vacation. It didn't okay, feel like right. it. I don't we'll, feel we'll recharged. Give, we'll give you a pass then, I guess, maybe. Yeah. That means you still have to take a vacation, though. Is exactly. What means. Yeah. So there's right. Coming up. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're back in the mix now. Creighton played an exhibition game tonight, so basketball season's officially officially underway now because the unofficial part is over. Um, but they beat Winona State. Is it Winona or Winona? Winona? How do you, is that, does it matter? I've been they, saying win, uh, Winona. Winona? That's what I've been saying about. Like the country singer, right. Winona? Yeah. Like Winona Judd? Okay, Winona, Winona. Actually, Winona kind of feels Winona like... Winona just feels like it, it flows, flows a little yeah. yeah, it flows a little bit better. Let's go with that. Either way, Creighton wins 101-57. Um, shot the daylights out of the ball in the first half. Didn't feel like they were going to miss anything for a minute. Uh, the second half was a little more of a sluggish... Uh, wasn't as easy going offensively, I guess, but law of averages figure everything's going to come down anyway, so they just had a little spurt there. Um, but, I mean, lots of good offensively. There's not much to pick apart there. Uh, but I guess what were your initial impressions of what you saw tonight through the 40 minutes of got to see a lot of players, get a lot of minutes, a lot of quality time? You know what's funny is, like, I don't feel like I still, I still don't feel like I have a great read on this team. Yeah. I, I think the last couple of seasons at this point in the year, I feel like I had a pretty good idea. Now, obviously, there were two major injuries the last two years that really changed that uh, in the middle of the wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it, it altered what they could accomplish, but I feel like, up to that point, the team was performing at a level that I had expected or, or maybe close to. I, I'd actually yeah. probably say in both years they Creighton was better than just a tad better than what I had maybe projected going into the year. But I still it wasn't far off from what I had envisioned for the team. But I don't I don't really I can't like my crystal ball is very cloudy and, and fuzzy right now. I'm not quite sure I think how to project. I think it's okay, though, because certainly in terms of the league they're going into, I think throughout the entire thing, it's pretty fuzzy. Even Villanova at one has question marks. Like, you feel good about who they are, but there's question marks there when you lose four mm-hmm. or five starters and off a national championship team. Like, there's going to be transition for everyone. Right. So I don't think you're any different than anybody else. Anybody who feels like they got a grasp on this league, and certainly certain teams in it, I feel like Maybe we should be talking to them because they have something figured out that yeah, not the right. rest of us do. But. I will say, though, that uh, you know having Martin Crumple back in the lineup and just his ability to, I mean, stretch the floor. I know he didn't shoot a high percentage from, from three-point range last year, but he can knock down that shot with some consistency, and he showed it a little bit tonight. Um, his athleticism, mm-hmm. his ability to bother teams defensively, he got in the passing lane and stole that ball and had, had that dunk. Um, so I think... Seeing him back at full strength is, is obviously a positive. And then Tyshawn Alexander obviously shot it really well um, in the first half. But I, you just look at his performance and the way that he carries himself on the court, not just tonight but against Minnesota in, this, in this, the closed scrimmage, so what, what he's been doing in preseason. I think 
um, his emergence has been probably it's, it's something that we kind of talked about was likely or, or possible but I mean, some of that's coming to fruition now mm-hmm. uh, with Tyshawn Alexander so Couple of those those two things those two guys kind of stood out to me a little bit there. Uh, yeah, the Martin thing is just it's just neat. I, it's not a secret that he's. I mean, we we both have remarked over the last month plus that he's looked like he's back to his normal self, which he isn't. I mean, it's not really fair to say that he's still got. I think he still probably would feel like he's got more to go there in terms yeah. of his recovery and being back to where he was at the point of his injury last year. But I mean, just to see him on the court. You know, almost nine months to the day of surgery, um, what it was mid January, January twentieth, around that time when he got hurt, like it's his third torn ACL, like all the things he's done to in his recovery when people aren't watching, um, when the players are back home, like he stayed in Omaha and did his rehab in all August, summer. Yeah. yeah, so like just the dedication he um, the time he put in to get himself back to this point to where He's starting in the exhibition game. He's starting against Minnesota. Like, I don't think those were – I thought – I don't know, remember what we said at the end of the season last year, but I don't think we expected him to be back right away um, at this point right now. I think he's ahead of um, the schedules both of you laid – both of you and I laid out in terms of when he was going to be ready to go. Um, so that it was just impressive to see. Um, <laughs> watching him pick off that – jump that passing lane and yeah. go down for that dunk, that looked like old Martin. That was pretty cool. Um so just in terms of like an emotional boost, I think that was pretty cool to see um, all of his hard work and his rehab pay off to the point where he can come back on the floor and play in front of the home crowd again. Because I know it meant a lot to him um, to get back as quick as he did. So that was pretty cool. And they're gonna need him, you know. Like he's gonna to me, he's gonna he's got the ability to be sort of the consistent force uh, for them on the offensive side and defensive side. And, mm-hmm. and I guess Tyshawn Alexander is another guy like that where. He's got the length and athleticism and the instincts to be a, uh, a pest defensively, and he also has the ability to score. So, like, those two guys, um, it, it, it feels like I'm, the more that I see them perform in practice and then again on tonight, like, I feel like we're seeing more consistency from them, which yeah. is obviously a good sign because they're going to have to be pillars for this of, of this team. Yeah, well, I think that's going to be the, the mold going forward is just we're going to – has to just judge the improvement as it goes along. So yeah. I do think this is one of those teams where I'm not sure if this is an NCAA tournament team. Um, if you made me project it right now, I would say no. But I feel like they're they're going to have a chance to be better in March than they were now. Whereas the last two years, because of injuries, I understand that. But the last two years, I feel like they've kind of just grinded their way to the finish line and, and not, weren't necessarily playing their best basketball at the end of the season compared to when they were at the start in the middle. Those two um, te- the last two teams peaked in January. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I this understand, team has yeah. a chance. I mean, I obviously, we don't know how the season's going to fall, but it really does have a chance to to peak in February, March, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what the – feel like, I feel like that's what the message has been relayed to the guys from the coaching staff is, like, stay committed to this development process. Know that there's going to be some bumps in the road. Um, and there are going to be some bumps in the road because the non-conference schedule is probably harder than the last two years mm-hmm. where they've had maybe a team that's been more mature and equipped to handle it. This yeah. one's probably not on paper, so it's going to, they're definitely going to take some bumps for sure. Right. So I think that was that's kind of it. Feels like that. I mean, Coach McDermott said it after the game tonight too. It's just if the team can stay 
sort of bought into that idea that there are a lot of things that we have to work on and we got to keep getting better and, and don't worry about you know having a few bad days because there will be good days down the road, way down the road, the bigger picture type view. Sure. If they can if they can buy into that, then um, yeah, they can reach their goals by the end of the year. So yeah, I'm with you though. I think like if you ask me today, I. I I don't think it's an NCAA tournament team, but um, it has the potential to be that. Sure. I'm not saying it can't be. It's just yeah, um, they some things have to go right, and some guys have to develop. And like I said, they got to stay committed and bought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davion Mintz, um, his performance tonight. We didn't get to see the Minnesota scrimmage. That they are pretty strict about that being closed, so we did not get to see that performance. But just evaluating on paper, I guess um, it looked like the shot total in terms of attempts was high and the turnovers were high and the assists were low and the points were low. Like, it wasn't... Against where Minnesota. You, yeah, against Minnesota. You didn't think that was a... Too many shots, too many turnovers. Yes. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah, on paper it didn't look like a great line. Um, but obviously he's in a different role this year too. Without Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas, they're looking for him to be more... find a balance between scoring and facilitating. So that's a challenge for him because he hasn't... He's been a facilitator for his first two years of his career. Um with those guys playing around him and certainly with uh, guys like Justin Patton in his first year too. But I thought tonight he was pretty good. I, I think there were a couple shots he took where I thought he looked like a scorer. That pull-up jumper from off a ball screen. Exactly. That's not a, that's not a point guard's shot. You know what I mean? So yeah, like that I think was, he might have gotten yelled at or maybe pulled if he, <laughs> if he attempted that shot last season exactly. or the last two years. Exactly. So. But I mean, but he, he's, he, but he went he, four for five from three. I know, like, but, that's he, good. but he will have the green light to do if someone goes under a ball screen on him. Like, I'm, I guess I haven't asked Coach McDermott directly, but I would think that he'd have the green light to do that mm-hmm. this year. So He certainly has the green light to be more aggressive. And I think we saw that a little bit tonight. Um, I th- you know, four assists, two turnovers. Uh, it's a two-to-one ratio, so that's good. Um, the opponent, obviously, is has to be taken into a factor, too. Like, can he be a playmaker against the teams he's going to be facing most nights? Um, but, I mean, you, you, I think one of the questions we've had throughout this offseason is his three-point shooting and how much of a jump that's going to take because it has to. If he wants to be that type of scorer on the perimeter, you just have to knock down threes in this system. Um, so for him to go four for five tonight, especially when two of them that he made, I thought were really contested really well. So opponent notwithstanding, he had tough contests and he still knocked both of them down. Um, yeah, I definitely, right. I definitely think he shot the ball better tonight, and I think that's, I think it's repeatable. I guess in terms of the shots he took and the I'm, shots he hit. I'm telling you, man, I think he's taken a major jump as a shooter this this off season. I got, I don't know, I think he, I think he's gonna shoot really well. Um, because where was he at last year? I think 34, 35, okay. 35, 36 or something like that. Yeah, he's going to do better than that. He's yeah. certainly put a lot of time in his jump shot. And, and um, it's I think for him, it's it's kind of like what you're talking about. Like, t- make sure you're taking the, the good shots and not forcing it. It's mm-hmm. finding that right balance of, you know, yeah, Creighton needs him to be, to look for his offense a little bit more and to be more of a scorer than he has been in the past. But also, you know, again, find that, that right balance, you don't want to force the issue too much um, because you still are the point guard who has to direct traffic and distribute and make sure that guys like Mitch Ballack and Tyson Alexander and Martin Crompo are getting their looks. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're reading the defense the right way and not, um, you know, forcing a shot when it's not there. Yeah. So, uh, Tyshawn and Mitch, um, I guess what did you think about 
the shots they took, the shots they hit, the performance they had tonight from a scoring standpoint. Um, I think, honestly, between them, I think, and I'm not going to go back and rewatch this game, but I honestly felt like they only took one ill-advised shot, and I think it was a Mitch pull-up three from, like, 35 feet in transition. <laughs> like, yeah, it just made me go, oh, and, you know, but he's got that range, so, I, you know. And the coaches in the last few weeks have been trying to say, look, you've got to just have a mentality of when you catch it, you're catching it for a reason, so because yeah. he he has been passing up a little bit more shots. Well, I, think I felt want both of them. It's, it's both of them for guys that like. I mean, here's the thing: we know that they were much. They are much better shooters than they showed last year. Right. What they were thirty three percent or something like like that from three. Yeah, Mitch really struggled. You would not have that. known that though if you watched them tonight because of the way. I mean, there there was no hesitation. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as they got the ball and there was a little bit of a space, they were. Uh, firing it up, so I think that's a good sign because they certainly haven't um, <coughs> lost any confidence. If anything, they're they're far more confident than they were a year ago, and they both. I mean, I know Tyshawn put in a lot of work. To, I, one of the things he talked about was just trying to get the ball off quicker mm-hmm. um, and use his legs a little bit more so he can uh, elevate over maybe that contest and and get rid of the ball before that contest gets to him. So I thought um, a couple of his shots tonight look like. There was sort of a, you know, he, he put the time in and, and you could see some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with their jump, their shot selection. I think Creighton needs them to shoot threes because they're good three-point shooters mm-hmm. in his team. Um, from he did 40 threes tonight, though. Yeah, that's I high, mean. That's a high number. <laughs> well. You hit 19 of them. That's really good. But yeah. 43 is I a lot I thought they threes. took a lot against Minnesota, too. So, yeah. uh, And I think their first, like, four or five shots tonight were jumpers. Mm-hmm. Tyshawn hit that uh, pull-up jumper, and then there were like three or four threes before they started working the ball inside a little bit. But uh, I don't know. It might just be part of this team. And, and until guys like Davion and Tyshawn and perhaps even Mitch have like maybe develop a little bit more assertiveness driving in. Yeah. You knew, Marcus, th- you knew my... a guy like Marcus Foster was not going to be um, – just at all deterred, at, sure. yeah. At all deterred, but he was he was going into the paint. And that is interesting because I, you know, I'm trying to remember the times the guards took it into the rim. You know, Damian Jefferson played the four, so he's not really a guard, but I mean, he's a ball handler. He can slash and score. Um, he had a drive. I remember Caleb Joseph can do it. Uh, Tyson Alexander had one that he didn't finish that I thought maybe he got fouled, but um, it wasn't a lot. You know? uh, yeah, it's not going to be yeah. a foul in the Big East, so you got to be able to finish those. Mitch had a couple. Um, so, but, yeah, but there wasn't as much of, like, downhill right. mentality from the guards. Usually when they were catching, they were ready, like, to fire it up. There was a, they were, it so. felt like there was a lot of sort of, like, two-dribble penetration kick out, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, because no, if you, and when if they have the bigs it, that they have this year, I think they kind of understand, like, those guys can get the points down low and we can get them outside. So, yeah. like, there's... Everybody kind of understands that right. in terms of who the shooters are and who they aren't. Um, what was your what, what did you think of the big man rotation? I guess um, you know Sam. We we we, we, know, we know Sam's come on here in the last couple of weeks, um, so I don't think either of us were surprised to see him start. Um, he's been running with the Blues for a while, so and they had a good game against Minnesota, and obviously Jacob's been fighting the knee and things like that. But just in terms of the, what you saw out of the bigs tonight. Um, performing in certain different rotations, big and small labs. Well, yeah, I think like individually, I think they they all bring something 
a little different. A right? little, yeah, yeah. But but you can see sort of the positives there. But mm-hmm. how do you find? I think it's just up to Creighton's coaches to figure out the right way, the right mix, how you work those guys on the court together because. It didn't, you know, they started the second half with Epperson and Crumple on the floor together. And, right. I mean, they haven't had a lot of reps in practice with those guys. Because <coughs> Crumple had the sprained ankle, so he's out for like 10 days. And Jacob has been battling a knee, so he's been out, in and out of practice. So those two on the floor together. And then and then you factor in that Sam has performed so well that at times he's taken first-team reps along with Martin. So Epperson and Martin haven't had a ton of reps together in practice. And right. I, I don't know. They didn't – I don't know if that was the f- – because that was the, the complete they did, result yeah. of of kind of the disjointed nature that they had when they started uh, the second half, but they didn't really it didn't really flow to begin mm-hmm. the second half, and those two guys were on the court together. But I think that they were on the court together because the coaching staff is like we need to get reps, yeah. and we ha- got to figure out a way uh, to make it work. So I think that's what it's it's like individually. There's a lot of potential, but how do you maximize that potential when you have two on the floor at the same time? Because um, I think in an ideal scenario, you you want to be able to utilize that lineup. Not a, not in every game because there will be opponents that it's going to be difficult to do that against. But I I think um, I don't know. To me, that lineup is uh, there's there's some mismatches there that that could be beneficial for Creighton if they can find the right way to maximize their talents. You know, so I think they're still working with it. No doubt. I think uh, I was impressed with Jacob tonight. Um, so I know he's been struggling in practice. He's been fighting the knee as hard as he can. I think he's just doing a little bit better, just like, I don't know. I'm sure it still hurts, but, I mean, he's just being a little bit tougher, fighting it a little bit harder, um, pushing through it a little bit more. Because, um, you know, I mean, watching him struggle through it, you know, bites his jersey a lot, like limps a lot, you know, he punches it a lot. I don't know if that helps it, but he does that. He's like, you can see how frustrated he is that that's holding him back. Um, but I thought this last week – and especially the day before, yesterday, the day before the game, I thought he had one of his better practices just in terms of his aggressiveness and, um, you know, just some of the things we saw last year when he came on after Martin went down and, and they just decided to take the red shirt off of him and let him go. Um, and then he translated it tonight. I thought, you know, I thought he was really good on the defensive glass. Um, I thought he was really good at altering shots. Yeah. Um, one of his finishes, one of his buckets was on a over-the-shoulder catch on a lob, like, he just has really good touch around the rim. It's natural. Yeah, um, he's got better touch than I think Martin or Sam do. Well, and that's um, the thing is like you wonder if he's the type of player that just works better with four guards. Yeah. Because if you space the floor and just let him constantly set ball screens, eventually the defense is gonna there's gonna be some mistake, and and he's the only one in the paint. It's him. Maybe a maybe a guard rotates over, but he's gonna have the advantage. So, I think also trigger. You know, how do you figure out a way to work with him on the court and also have a guy like Martine on the court. I think that's kind of the yeah. the question there. But, yeah, um, yeah you know, I, he's got a lot of potential. Jacob Epperson's going to be a good player. Yes, yeah, no question. Um, yeah, fine. It is interesting how different their bigs are. Um, and, and, yeah, again, it's up to the coaches to figure out a way to, to maximize it. Mm-hmm. What do you like about Sam so far in terms of his skill set and just what he brings? Okay, I mean, so, he just seems so advanced for I don't. I feel like we're not – we're being duped. He's not really a freshman. Like <laughs> he may not. Be. He just looks more mature. Yeah. Like okay, so that the move he had, the moves he has where he's uh, putting the ball on the floor on the perimeter like mm-hmm. that. That's some pretty advanced stuff for a seven foot freshman. Yes. Uh, he had a play where he, uh, I think he dribbled, 
defense rotated over, cut off his driving lane, and he kicked it to Zagorowski for a three-pointer. He spun on the top of the key and drove in for an and one. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not something that, <laughs> you know, I know that it doesn't look as maybe as, uh, I feel like Justin Patton, when he put the ball on the floor, is kind of a little bit more flashy. Oh, no question. More, yeah, covered uh, ground quickly. Yeah, quickly, a little yeah. bit more smooth, but uh, Sam, he, he gets the same result. And, yeah, I don't know, man. He He's one of the things that Davion Mint said this week is that he just, you know he's going to finish around the rim. You know, he doesn't necessarily have the hops that a guy like Patton or Epperson have, but he knows how to finish. And he did that tonight. He did it against Minnesota. He's going to be a really nice piece for Creighton all year long because, uh, they, like, the one thing I didn't he's, see tonight. He's, he's just was, clever. He's yeah. just clever. The one thing I didn't see tonight, and I don't know if it was by design or not, was there weren't any entries to him in the post. They kind of let him all. Most of his stuff was face up stuff. Yeah, he yeah, like whether he was up, creating right. or going for. I his thought own they. Offense. I thought they gave him like a. I guess he was no. It was more like a face up on the wing. Yeah. Yeah, and then he dro- drove in. He has that little. I just uh, don't, I he has that little I, like yeah. sky hook type <laughs> runner. Right. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? That that's like how do you defend that? I know. <laughs> I, I, that's one of those things where I just, I didn't see that out of him tonight that I know he's capable of is I thought Jacob was around the rim more than Sam was. The question I have for him <clears> is just you know how is it when he puts the ball on the floor how does that translate against some you know maybe more disciplined, mm-hmm. more athletic, more um, instinctive defenses that have guards that can kind well, of like cleverness in you and, talked about is where you can beat some of that. No doubt, you no make doubt. up for that yeah. by not being as if you're not as athletic you can beat that by being clever right. which he is so. I'm just I'm just curious to see you know how teams eventually once they get film on on him how they adjust to him when he, you know he puts the ball on the floor and tries to go one on one with a big man because he can win those one on ones but as soon as the help comes how does he react to that? So. Yep. Um, defensively, we know it's been a big area of focus for them, um, and they're doing some different things. Like I don't know if it's a big big change. I I don't know if I would classify it as that, but just like. You know, the things they're focusing on, the terminology they use every day in practice, and the things that they're harping on in their drills uh, with Coach Lusk. Um, you know, I think we, I, th- I thought I saw a lot of it tonight. You know, just the little stuff of, you know, tracing the ball, keeping making entry passes difficult, um, not letting your big be isolated down there and have to deal with that. Like, I thought they got a lot of their steals that way. A lot yeah. of their, you know, a lot of their picks came off of just being – you know, more aggressive on the perimeter, tighter to your man, making those reads, making those plays. Um, that's the stuff they've been harping on for ever since Paul has got here. And I thought I saw a lot of that tonight play out. Obviously, opponent is, again, something we have to take into consideration um, just in terms of the mistakes and the things that they were able to do. But I still saw a lot of that tonight, you know. I, I think it was good to see that defensively because I think when you get an opponent like this, you think you can just – Outshoot them and not to worry about it defensively, but defensively, they, I mean, they held known to like 33% shooting. Um, the it, was first, bo- it was below I thought, 33 I thought the first half was really good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the game film will disagree, but it, it did. I think they forced 11 turnovers and held them to 27% shooting or something like that. And yeah, yeah again, right. it's opponent. So take it take it with a, a grain of salt there. But the, uh, the effort that they played with, I think that was kind of the. One of the big big things that um, Coach Lusk is, has tried to preach is because he, I think he, in his mind, they have been taught well. Like, Creighton's players know how to defend, but there's there's 
you know, Kyrie Thomas, when he took the floor in practice, he didn't want to get beat. There was this mentality, this competitiveness that he played with. He took pride in it. And I don't yeah. know if the rest of the team had. Yeah, a lot of it was the mindset. mindset yeah, they didn't have that sure. mindset. So I, th- so I think that's what the coaches have worked with these guys to try to develop is like, you know, if, if, if uh, a perimeter player is dribbling the ball, um, guard him. Even if, even if he's like five steps behind the three-point line and it looks like he's just kind of walking it up and hasn't entered into offense yet, you might as well make him uncomfortable or try to make him uncomfortable. So I think just um, eliminating that extra space, trying to be more active and engaged, I think, I think it's, it, to me it seems more about a mentality than anything. But, yeah, you're right. But they have, like, drilled it a ton. Mm-hmm. They've, they've worked, uh, got a lot more reps on-ball on defense, that type of stuff. They're trying to stress it. and When you see them on the sideline, the coaching staff, a lot of the stuff that they're saying or relaying to their guys on the court is about the little details, about positioning and where your hands are and uh, you know your engage, level of engagement and your energy. So we'll see if they can keep it up. I think that it's, it's, sort, it's sort of like what they've done to this point. I can see the progress, mm-hmm. but it is – October, and they gotta what you know whatever the level of progress they've made from over the last three or four months, like they have to replicate that even further, you know, over the next three or four months. And it know? probably hasn't been properly exposed yet either. No, no, they they, they are, like, they're gonna have moments. They're gonna have games where they yeah, give up. You know, yeah. well, I guess in the first half against Minnesota, Minnesota sure. shot like fifty five percent or something like that. That was probably one. But I, but I'm sure they're. But I still have, uh, even yeah. even Minnesota. That's not they're they're gonna get someone worse than that. Like, yeah, they'll get some games where they give up fifty four fifty five percent shooting for the game, mm-hmm. and and it'll be like, oh holy crap, we have not uh, taken that next step that we thought we had or something. Right. And maybe that will sort of renew the focus and the commitment. But it's gonna be, to me, it's gonna be a year long thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's it also it's gonna require not just one or two guys to buy into that it's going to take everybody because they don't because they don't have a Kyrie Thomas there to sort of look toward and lean on and be like hey Kyrie can you just take care of this guy for (laughs) 40 minutes Uh, it's it's, it's a full team effort and we and you know there were a lot of defensive questions or a lot of questions about defense um in the postgame presser and uh, you know, one of them was, are you looking for a stopper? Are you looking for some guy to be Kyrie Thomas? Not, you know, not be Kyrie Thomas, but, like, be the guy who's, like, every game you get the number one assignment, you know your role, and, you know, just take care of it. Or is it going to be fluid, and are you looking for the collective to be a little bit better, you know, raise their level overall? And I think, I don't know, I guess what did you think of the answer in terms of, like, there are guys who have that ability, but the assignments will change game to game based on matchup because Kyrie Thomas could do it at multiple positions. You know, the, this roster doesn't necessarily suit it for that. Um, but but there is also still that part where the team as a whole has the ability to be better defensively than they were in the years past, despite having the defensive player of the year right. on your team. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll evolve into one guy stepping into that. Do you still think it will it be? It yeah. could. It could. I think one of the things, so I just think back to last year. I remember the veterans on the team talked a lot about how, um, you know, remember it, that, that season two years ago, they, they were really bad on the glass. Mm-hmm. Like defensive rebounding was terrible. Mm-hmm. And their percentage was, was bad. And, and uh, they they lost Justin Patton. So it was like it was a big focus during the 
during the season about or leading up to the season about how it couldn't just be it couldn't just lean on their five and their four to get rebounds like guys like Marcus Foster, Kyrie Thomas, Davion Mintz, all the all the perimeter players right. have to be more committed to boxing out and making sure you secure that defensive rebound. And so I feel like that level of focus, constantly harping on it, and, and hey, this is what we are going to do going into practice each day. It led to positive results on the court in games, especially early on in the season. Their defensive rebounding percentage was sky high. It was like 80% yeah. through the first couple months of the season. Um, so I wonder if that same <coughs> sort of uh, idea, if you apply it to just a different concept, in, in, in uh, the concept being this time not necessarily boxing out, being a strong defensive rebound, it's guarding the basketball. Mm-hmm. And everyone having to do it better because they know they don't have a guy like Kyrie Thomas there who can take away the top scorer that's going to take, um, uh, again, a collective to reach the level that they need to reach to uh, achieve their goals. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's kind of what the coaches are, are have sort of tried to share with their team and if that's what the guys have that's how they've sort of bought into it. I think they're going to need, it seems like they're really going to need multiple guys um, to kind of have that tenacious, go for it, really prideful mentality. The mentality you talked about yeah. with Kyrie, like, look, they're not scoring because, on us, so they're not scoring on him. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. they're going to need a lot of guys because I just don't, they don't have the player who's got a 6'10 wingspan with, the the instincts that Kyrie had and his size mm-hmm. um, and agility, you know, like he was not only did he have the right mentality to play defense at an elite level, but he also had the body type. I mean, yes. the, his frame was perfectly suited for the type of player he was. They don't have that guy, mm-hmm. so uh, what they can do best is rep- try to replicate that mentality. And I do think they have guys that, can, that have bought into that to this point. But can they keep buying into that? And even if they have bad days, when another team goes off uh, for, you know, has a great day, or or the guy that you're guarding scores 25 on you, the next day are you ready to come back at it? I think that's a question I have for this team because, honestly, it's it's so inexperienced and so many unproven guys that you really don't know how they're going to respond to some adversity, especially on the defensive side where they have less of a – um, I don't know if it's a foundation. Let fewer examples of things going well. I think a guy like Tyshawn, if he goes one of five from the floor in the first half, he's not going to shy away and be like, oh, well, I'm done. I guess I'm done shooting. I mean, he can't this year. No, right. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's also, I mean, all the work he's put in this, this summer, like I think he's confident enough to be like one of five, that's fine. I'll, I'll hit him in the second half. Mm-hmm. But if he... You know, how does he respond if the guy he's guarding in the first half goes off for 20? Right. I don't know. We don't know that that answer yet. And, and I, it's not just Tyshawn. It's Davion and it's it's Mitch and it's D- Damian Jefferson, all those guys. I think, I think this mentality the, is a question defensively. Yeah, and, and the thing with it being fluid, too, man, I really hope this, that noise does not come through on the podcast. That is so loud. Um, I think they're, like... That's louder than last year. Am I wrong? That's loud. loud. That's like new equipment right Feels like they're literally destroying the arena around us. The CHI Health Center (laughs) around us. It it is a hospital now, so maybe they have like defibrillators and beds and stuff like that. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, I don't know. Like, are they disassembling the... (laughs) 
like the entire structure of the building. Oh, God, I hope not. I'm still in here. Uh, we may not make it out. We may not. This may be the last one be. We better send it <laughs> off real quick. Um, let me see. What was I going to talk about? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Christian Bishop. I mean, I like Christian. I think he's got a role on this team still. I, I, and, I, and I understand that there's still going to be the question of redshirt or not. Um, just because he's what? When you look at the rotation of bigs, he's the guy you don't necessarily need to play. If you can go small or go big, you know, yeah. because if Martin can go, if Martin can go at the four and you can find the way to get some rhythm with Jacob or Sam, then you have your big four man, and then Mitch and Damian are the small four man. Like you already have that. It's like he's, out. he's almost like fourth on the depth chart, exactly. So to speak. Yeah. So like, there's not really a role there. Yeah. But I still think he's effective and can be effective and can be useful in this team. Given the fact that Jacob is battling the knee injury, Martinez is coming back from one. I still, I think, redshirting him is probably not would not probably wouldn't be a, a good thing to do because I think he can that's, do some good things. It seems like he's that's just, he's just a different type of mentality. Rebounding um, in the block, I think he's the guy that you can give it to, and you know he can move his way down there to get a bucket. Like he's got that ability, even though he doesn't look like it physically. I just think he's ready enough to win. It comes a time when they need him, he can be ready to play. Instead Man, of having to rip a red shirt off of him yeah. and say, go right. do whatever he, he is. He is so tough inside. Yeah, like he, right? And fearless. He's Surprisingly a, he's, tough. Right, he just goes after it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that about him. Um, but you're right, it's, it, it is, it's like, where where exactly does he fit? I don't know, yeah. I don't know how, um, I don't know where, where he fits. But that, but there then, are games where he's not going to play as yeah. much, I guess is what I'm saying. Yep. And I understand that. But I still but, think there are games where you're going to need him. You know, if a guy's got to sit out of one or if a guy's in foul trouble and you right. still need a big lineup. Like, don't you think the coaching staff probably learned a lesson from last year, even though it, I think it was the right decision to redshirt Jacob Everson. He had to do uh, a procedure on, on his yeah, knee. Yeah. But how, how quickly into it? It was game three. Game two, Northwestern, when Toby Hagner went down, and you're like, oh, yeah, they're not going to be able to make it through <laughs> yeah, the whole season. Right? You're like, this yeah. is way too thin of the front line. <laughs> right. yeah, they yeah, had yeah. three guys, and mm-hmm. uh, Toby Hagner, Martin Crumpel, and Manny Suarez, and then Epperson. And the hope was, well, maybe we can ride these three. And then, uh, like, two games in, <laughs> Hagner yeah. goes down, and you're like, oh. And this year's front line isn't, doesn't have, it's not thin. But when you take one away, it is. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I thought, I thought, when they first started practicing, yeah, Christian Bishop will redshirt because Sam, Jacob, Martin. Then you got small ball forwards. Like there are, more, there are numerous things you can do with a lineup where you don't before you peg Christian Bishop to get in there and do something. But then when Martin sprained his ankle, I was like, all of a sudden, all of a sudden now you have Martin out with a sprained ankle and Jacob with a one good knee. And then you're like, wait a minute, that's not as deep as you think it is. All yeah. of a sudden, like so, they're essentially one injury away. You know, whether it's a sprained ankle or worse, from needing more depth there where Christian can play more minutes. And that's kind of what put it in my brain that he's good enough to do something now if you need him to the point where I don't think anybody on this team is a redshirt candidate, yeah. you know what I mean, in terms of just the playing having it's, any it's so It's so interesting with this group because there aren't there aren't a lot of proven pieces. Right. Like you, it really does give the coaches the luxury of mixing and matching and trying to figure out putting the puzzle together basically yeah, yeah. and I, it's probably the source of sort of my uncertainty with this of, of trying to project how good this team can be or where where I see it um, where I see it, its potential sort of falling because 
Oh, I don't even know what their best lineup is. Yeah, well, if they don't have the answers, how are we supposed to <laughs> yeah, be able to guess, right? right? You know what I mean? And there's usually so well, a lot of our talking points would be dictated off what they tell us in the off season. So or what we if, see. Yeah, and, and if they have quite as many questions as we do, then yeah, they could. They can't even tell you what they're. Right. What so they're I think these next ten days are going to be really important. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, now they have uh, you know game film against Minnesota to reference and now the, uh, a scrimmage or an exhibition against Winona to, to reference these next 10 days are going to be important and trying to figure out a rotation and because the, the challenge I mean yeah you can feel comfortable about knowing this team will be better in February and March than it is or assuming projecting hey that's the goal we'll, we'll be better in March or February than we are today that's what Coach Mack has said uh, but you still got to win games. Yeah. And especially in November, December, I mean, if you want to be an NCAA tournament team, you got to you gotta find a way to uh, scratch, a, scratch across some wins and some meaningful wins mm-hmm. while you're still experimenting or still figuring out, and that'll be the challenge for Craig. I mean, the, yeah, the lesson is you got to win in November if you want to be in the conversation in March. So, I mean, yeah. That's, that's the bottom line. Their schedule is really tough in November. They'll probably have an easier time maybe winning games in March just because the Big East is going to go through everything together. They're going to have a learning curve at, in terms of everybody. At least they'll roster. be on the same plane yeah, as start. some of those Big East yeah. teams. Yeah. But the thing I don't is, know if it's going to be easier. But we've talked about this, too. A lot, of the, a lot of the Big East strength over the last few years and its reputation holding, obviously Villanova winning two national titles is the main number one talking point. But aside from that, the rest of the league has been healthy as well because they've won in November. And December, yeah. Yeah, they've gotten wins in non-conference over power teams that have maintained their reputation as a power league. Yep. That's not necessarily I – I wouldn't bank on that happening this year it's because biggest, of how much of a transition. To me, it's the biggest question about the league yeah. because you, the narrative gets set in November and December right. of what kind of league you are, right. the Big Ten last year. Because when you beat up on yourselves, you're just beating up on yourself. Exactly. You have to already be who you are at that and, point. And it's unfair to teams that are young. Right. I guess unfair. It's this. It's the way it's set up. Sure. But That's how yeah, you evaluate it. It, it yeah. stinks for teams that are young or have new fit, new pieces, new transfers that they're working in um, because you know that you're going to be better in February. I feel like I'd imagine most of these teams in the Big East feel the same way that Creighton does, that this is a process and we're going to deal with some growing pains early, but by the time we get to February, we'll be um, able to start peaking. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, the Big East needs to win games in November and December. It yeah. did last year. Um, I think it was something like 80, 80% winning, like an 80, 800 winning percentage. It's been, cra- second, it's been crazy. Yeah, last year was second only to the Big 12. Right. And when you looked at some of the wins they they piled up, I mean, in the non-conference, it was it was really impressive. And they didn't there were very few bad losses, too. Right. That was the right. key. I think that was the key for the And Big there is team. a new metric this year, so like there's probably going to be a learning curve with that just in in terms of how we evaluate it and our opinions of certain leagues and certain teams. But to your point, the non-conference performances of the past have held throughout conference play, no matter what has happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, that's been a big part of uh, the league itself, building its reputation and maintaining reputation. Like, when you talk about, well, here's the non-conference um, wins they've notched up, here's their RPI and things like that, that has held throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Like, there hasn't been a big fluctuation after that point when you start, when the leagues do start beating up on themselves. So, yeah, I think... It's, it's the reason why the Big Ten was so slighted 
last year. Last yeah. season. Yeah. Because teams like Indiana and Wisconsin. Michigan and, State. Well, to an extent, Michigan State. Michigan but, State. Uh, they were like a top five team in the beginning of the year, weren't they? Yeah. That wasn't a top five team. Minnesota, Northwestern, you know, those teams did not perform. Right. In Certainly no, Northwestern. Yeah, Jesus. in November and December. Yeah. And they piled up the losses, did not build, did not accumulate quality <coughs> wins. Really the only teams that I feel like performed in non-conference were Purdue, Ohio State, Michigan, and to a certain extent Michigan State. Maybe not at the level that we mm-hmm. expected Michigan State to in the non-conference, but at least they, they got some wins. Right. Um, but aside from that, it was nobody else. So that's why the league, um, from a reputation standpoint, was limited. And that's what the Big East is going to have to try to avoid this year. You know, obviously, you want to start strong. You have to start strong if you want to be viewed as a strong league. Yeah. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, history has told us that. So let's get some questions here, and then we'll knock this out for our first exhibition podcast. Um First one is from Brian Norton. Uh, thoughts on Samson starting? Did he just beat out Epperson? Or is it because he offers a different set of skills from Teeny and Epp? Uh, there's different answers to those questions there. Um, he definitely offers a different skill set than both of those guys. Yeah. But, he, I mean, he beat out Epperson in the sense that Jacob wasn't healthy enough to put up a fight, I guess, is my, right. my thing. I mean, and I would imagine, I haven't asked the coaches directly this, but I would think that they have more evidence in practice of Samson and Martine playing with each other, playing well with each other on the right. court together than right. they do of Epperson. Like, <coughs> those guys have just logged more reps together, so maybe that's one of the reasons, too. Sure. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise to see him starting that, I don't think, though. He's been running with the Blues yeah. for a while Jacob's kind of getting it together. But, um, yeah, it, he does offer a different set of skills, though. So I think it's going to be a fluid thing. I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect this day one lineup, whatever it looks like against West Illinois, whatever it looks like tonight, I wouldn't expect that to, to bank on that going forward. I, I think it will fluctuate. I do think it's kind of interesting bringing the first two guys off the bench were Epperson and uh, Marcus Zagorowski. It's, yeah. it's a totally different look. I with like those, that, though. You know, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. It, that, to me, seems like you know the, the impact that Ronnie Harrell made when he came off the bench um, as just, just a totally different foreman than Toby Hagner or... Martin, yeah, Martin was more at the five, so Toby was at the right. four. Uh, it just gives the defense a totally different look, and, and you oh, bring yeah. a guy like Mark, Marcus Zagorowski and uh, and Jacob off the bench. That's that to me is intriguing. Yeah, um, again, especially if you move Davion over when you bring Marcus in, like and they did that in the second half. Davi- Davion played some wing. Yeah, um, with Marcus. Yep, with Marcus as the, at the point. Again, a lot of options. It's just trying to figure out what works best for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, second one from Joey Tempo. Um, should we be concerned with Jacob? Mac mentioned his knee won't be right all year. So, um, I mean, anytime a big man's got, anytime any athlete's got a knee, you feel like there's a, a certain level of concern that kind of just hovers there for a little bit. I guess yes is the short answer, but I don't think it's something that he's not going to be able to fight through. From what I understand of the injury itself, it's not something that yeah. can be. I don't know how to say this properly. I mean, it's just not. It's just something he's got to deal with, I guess. It's it's in terms of the structure itself. So um, he's just got to be able to play through it. The brace is obviously going to be a factor. They're starting to tape it up a little bit, so that's probably an effort to make it more sturdy when he jumps and lands and cuts and things like that. Creighton is pretty um, open with injury reports, but yeah. I think for especially for ones where it's really definitive of like 
oh, he sprained his ankle, he's out for a week. But with this one, I don't feel like I've, and maybe I just haven't asked the right questions, but I don't think that I've gotten like a, a clear-cut answer. And maybe that's just because it is something that's just going to have to be managed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Jacob did tell me, I think it was on media day, that it, he felt like it was getting better okay. um, during the course of the preseason. But It I mean, looks like it's getting better because it looks like he's playing more extended minutes yeah. without having, like we said, we could see when he was having to deal with it, you know. I it, mean, there were constant right. adjustments of the brace, um, taking plays off, uh, you know, biting the jersey. Like, you can see when he's going through when, it's, when, he, when it would actually hurt he, him. Like. He and Coach McDermott haven't really made – they haven't, like, expressed real concern about, you know, it real like, oh, his minutes are going to be limited because of the knee or that, right. you know, he's going to miss time because of it. Um once the season starts. So I feel like they've always tried to do their best to manage it in practice and limit him if it's, if it's bothering him, but they haven't really – I've never got the impression that they've been uh, worried that it was going to keep him from being at his – reaching his potential during the season. Yeah. But, again, yeah, I'd expect, big, big, I'd expect man with, big man with knees, you never know. Right. I mean, I would expect him to – I wouldn't be surprised if he missed a game here and there, like especially against maybe – um, an opponent they feel like they can match up well with without him, um, but I would be I would expect him to be a factor all year, yeah. just until until we hear otherwise. Yeah. Uh, last one, I hope I'm saying this last name right, Andrew Cresson. Um, how much do we trust the bench depth we are seeing today? Can we say that the bench will be a little bit deeper because of the opponent, or will this be close to what we see the regular season? I mean, typically. You go in optimistic. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Game. You optimistically go in, and what they play eleven. Everybody wants to be eleven, twelve deep. I was yeah, gonna say they right. had eleven guys play nine or more minutes, and I mean, that's not gonna happen. No, it's I mean, not. what Kentucky like with that undefeated team was the last team that even tried it like, <laughs> when they had the platoon. Yeah, when they had or like, was that the, was that yeah. that year they had well, the they, had, they had like they had like cat. Who who was the who was the stud? Come oh, Booker coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah right. Booker was playing bullet. <laughs> So Split the time with the Harrison Twins. Can you even believe that happened? No. Um, that was one of Calipari's worst coaching jobs, and he almost went undefeated with it. Um, um, yeah. Anyway. So at some point it's going to shrink. I would imagine it, it, realistically eight or, or nine. I mean, yeah. it's just hard to play 11 guys. Which is what we talked about with Christian Bishop earlier. There's going to be games where yeah. like, it's one or two or but three if, minutes. But if a guy like, gets in foul trouble or if you have yeah. a guy who's banged up, then suddenly it becomes a lot easier to say – you know, think about that Villanova game when Creighton was without <coughs> Ronnie Harrell. I mean, you had guys like Kyrie Thomas and Marcus Foster who played the entire game. Mm-hmm. Mitch Bally. Oh, God, yeah. yeah Mitch, Mitch played 43 minutes against Villanova. Like, right, yeah, Mitch yeah. didn't come off the floor. So the rotation, I don't, I don't know how many guys ended up playing in that game, but it felt like it was like six or seven. Right. You know, six right. or seven deep. So I think in an ideal world for Creighton, even though it's rotation on a game-to-game basis, only eight or nine players, but if you have a guy – Hey, day of the game, find out he's got a foot infection. Mm-hmm. You can just sub another player in, and you still have that eight or nine. You're still eight or nine players deep, instead of having to shrink it to seven or eight or right. shrink it to six or seven. I think that's the idea, but we'll see if it. You know, if if guys start, if they go six or seven games in a row with the same eight or nine guys that are leaning on, and then suddenly they have to pull another guy off the bench who hasn't played much. Yeah. Is he sharp? Is he able to contribute? Or do they just feel more comfortable shrinking it even further? I don't know. But right. 
Um, they do have depth, and the one I thing about this team, quality. I think it is a quality depth. Yeah, I think and, it's not like just and guys. because there's not a lot of proven go-to scorers, veterans. I think it allows, um, it certainly allows the coaches to maybe have that freedom to experiment a little bit more and yeah. say, well, we'll keep it as wide open as we can until we feel like we have to shrink it. Right. But it, I think it will shrink. I don't think, I don't, I'd I, be, I sur- almost sure. <laughs> be surprised. I mean, it always They're shrinks. going into the, the Nebraska game in December 8th with 11 guys averaging yeah. 10 plus minutes a game. That'd be insane. Right. <laughs> Um, no, I agree. But the uh, depth thing is that's one of the reasons I think why the coaching staff is encouraged for. It's one of the reasons why you hear them talking about improving as the season goes on. Um, I don't know. I, in my conversations with Coach McDermott, I think he's mentioned, you know, watching this team build not just this year but next year and the year after um, is going to be something that. He, he thinks a lot of fans will enjoy watching because sure. there's a lot of potential there and there's a lot of guys that um, are going to be here for a while and they can all play. Mm-hmm. So they Well, it's a catch-22 for a coach, too, because when you've got a bunch of guys who are all right there, that's not you kind of want someone to separate so you can make your job easier in terms of rotations and playing time and things like that because you don't want to pick the wrong guy one night give up a 12-0 run, and then that's the ball game when you yeah. can't recover from that. Like, that's that's the tough part from a coaching perspective um, with that depth. Because there hasn't been a lot be, of separation. There's, it is going to be a year uh, where there's a lot of on the shoulders. Year, yeah, it's going to be a year. <laughs> it's going to be a year, let me tell you. No, it's going to be a year where there's a lot on the shoulders of the coaching staff, not just from mm-hmm. a game planning perspective, but, uh, you know, fitting those lineups together. I think Coach McDermott said something like the starting lineup might be dictated more by matchups than – the best five. Yeah, and that's been uh, like when was the last time you thought that right. of a Creighton lineup, right? Yeah, you could almost pegged there from the start. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, to me, that I think the coaching staff is going to put a lot on on its shoulders, as it should with a young team. I mean, you can't yeah. just say, "Hey, vets, you have to be open to take it over." I right. mean, the coaches are going to have to kind of pick guys up, and put them in the position to make <laughs> the plays. That's one. You know what's interesting? We saw tonight is I thought Creighton had longer possessions when they were in the half court than. I've seen that I remember seeing yeah. um, over the past couple of years. Sometimes where, too long they got a shot clock yeah, violation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. yeah right. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they were really working the ball around, and, and who is going to be that guy to step up? Where, where, where do, is it okay for me to take charge here? Yeah. I think they're still working that out. So the coaches may like literally have to be like, okay, yeah. you pass this ball to this this spot in the, on the court, shoot that ball. You a few know, more that, late game timeouts with two sets coming out of it. Like here's who's shooting it right now. Yeah, like, yeah. right. When you catch it, fire it up. I don't care who's guarding you. <laughs> yeah. It may be more that because I do feel like the last two years, uh, especially offensively, the coaching staff is, while there's a lot of structure in what they do, they've given the players a lot of freedom to really attack and read defenses and then just make plays. Right. Whereas you might see a little bit more, even more structure, and maybe it means after they push tempo and peruse to see if they can and get the a quick option, bucket, yeah, if it. it's not there, then you'll see them walk the ball back out and actually try to run specific plays maybe more so than they have in the past. We'll right. see. Um, anything else you think we should touch on? I think that's about it, right? Free throw shooting was I mean I know they should, I know they didn't shoot it well from the free throw line, but Christian Bishop was two for six. I mean that's yeah. and that's just having the wrong guy at the line there. Yeah he's gonna that that jump shot um, he's put work into it and I'm sure that you know you'll see it improve. Yeah. I mean I'll, that's how all those great guys who've 
put time into their jumper, it's gotten better. Yep. Jefferson, Damian Jefferson being the most recent example. Um, over the last year, he's definitely improved, so I'd imagine Christian will improve too. Mm-hmm. I do think that'll be an interesting category to watch going forward. Cause I Free think throw shooting? Because I think a lot of their bigs are going like, to get fouled a lot. So yeah. like, I think there's just going to be a net. I think Sam, Jacob, and Martino shoot a lot of free throws this year. So, And even Damian to an extent um, with his slashing ability. Right. I just and think there's going to be a lot of guys that are necessarily pure shooters say, not that will be best. shooting free throws. Right? right. So you might see some up and down performances in that area of the stat sheet, but. You cool with the DJ? I love the, the DJ. I love the DJ. All right. I'm, I'm all down for that. Like I, my experience with live DJs in arenas has been, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. What about you? Providence, I feel like was one that has a lot. Who else has them? What What other experiences? Uh, well, Marquette women have one. Oh, they believe it or not. Yeah, they that's do. surprising. I, don't know. Did men I think they, I actually think they just got rid of it, but the last time I was there, they had one. Okay. So like, Did the men not? I don't know. I don't know. If you play at the, the the DJ's at the Owl, so if the men oh, don't yeah, play yeah. at the Owl, it's probably not there. But maybe their new arenas, okay. is NBA. Arena. I was pretty. A lot hyped. of NBA was, arenas have live DJs. Yeah, I was so. pretty hyped sitting courtside of Providence. Uh, that DJ was legit. Um, tonight was good. Yeah, yeah. Was I was watching a, it every now and then. He seemed to be feeling it. I felt like he was happy. There was a different pregame vibe. It was a little bit more like old school. I felt like I got some more '80s hard rock. Oh, for sure. There was a lot of MJ. There's yeah. more, yeah, more MJ. Anytime you go with MJ, you're good. Right. Like, you're, the pregame vibe was different. Yeah. So, and not in a bad way, it was just different. Um, the intro so was cool. Like, see, the whole, like, embracing the community to become. That, that was like a recruiting video. video yeah, right? I, like, I don't know if that's a violation. <laughs> they made their intro video a recruiting video because they turned little little kids, kids into future Blue Jays. Yeah. Stuff, they morphed that. I thought that messaging was resonating pretty hard there yeah, on the nose. A, but that's a good idea. Yeah. It was, was pretty, pretty cool. cool. The, the, um, that one part of the video clip, the intro video clip or whatever, where the kids are walking through the smoke and then all of a sudden it, it transforms yeah. into the That's what I mean. That was like, team. that was a little, that was a little on the nose, Jay's there. Like, <laughs> you're like, right, we get it. That was But cool. I, the cool one that stood out for me was Martin helping the kid dunk and then like the smile afterwards. Like, yeah. that's just like heartwarming right there. That's like, that gets you in the feels. You're like, oh, nice. Yeah, it's actually, for me, it's almost maybe too much feels. Cause yeah, you know, that's what I mean. If I'm a fan, I'm trying to get pumped up and then all of a sudden you see Martin Crumple holding his kid dunk, so, and I'm like, it's almost like. So for a fan, you don't you don't, you want certain type of feels as a fan, right? I want okay. I want the pump up feels, and then all, all right. of a sudden you're you're making me like pretend I'm not crying, oh, like okay. uh, I got I'm just sniffling. It's just like it's just, it's just pride. You're like, yeah, all right, Jay's. Like, maybe that, maybe yeah, that. maybe. No, look at what the sniffling criers during the <laughs> national anthem or something. Like, no, wow, yeah. someone really likes this rendition of the national anthem. I'm like, no man, that video. They always they always have. Uh, they always do a good job with those uh, pump up videos to start the start the year for sure. So. All right, let's promote our stuff real quick before we wrap it up here. Uh, obviously, you know where to go for post game coverage. Um, White and the review, Omaha World Herald, Omaha.com. Um, we got the live podcast on Monday, so send in your questions in the mailbag link. Um, we'll get that out for you too. Um, first show was good, but more people need to show up and be rowdy. We kind of want people cursing at us, so that'd be fun. Oh, wow. Really? I don't know. I feel like that adds to the genuine I don't think you want it. people yelling, but Why? maybe just cheering you on. It, it, it doesn't pick up on the mic, so all oh. I'll do is hear it. Like, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that'll be a fun thing to do every Monday. Um, yeah, you're at a brewery, aren't you? So, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's Brewing. It's pretty cool. You can order a Noli's pizza. They bring it to the bar. 
because it's right there, like ten feet away, pretty much. So they deliver to the bar, even though the bar doesn't serve food. Right. Technically, I think it, it's a legit setup. I'm, it's, I'm happy with it. It's pretty appealing. Yeah, uh, Jays fans need to come out. I know. So and then you guys have a new deal going on for a subscription, right? Well, with there's Jays a, sp- there's a sports. Stuff. Yeah, there's a sports only. A subscription. Tell the, tell the folks. Yeah, it's like ninety nine cents a month for the first month, and then six ninety nine for every month after that. Okay. If you want to just do sports only, if that's all you want to read from the World Herald, which is basically yes, well, our audience right here would be like, yeah, that's fine. Right. Um, and trust me, you do not even have to click on the Husker stuff if you don't want to read about the Husker stuff. Oh. I'm sorry that it's that's a, in, bo- that's a bonus. I'm sorry it's in the package, but it's it's, it's our sports only. It's yeah. our sports team. I hear a lot of together. complaints sometimes about people like your stories will go on like a Husker background. They're like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on? Like, Sorry, we messed up. But right. Yeah. Okay. But it's a little. It's a little red, but the content's still the same. Yeah. Just go to Omaha.com. So ninety nine cents for the first month. Six ninety. How about ninety nine cents for the first month? Then you can see if like John's really good, which he right. is. So then, like after that, you you'll want to pay seven dollars a month yeah. after that, or and seven dollars, not that much. Maybe you'll be even donate. You have a donate like more. I want to pay more than seven bucks. Um, PayPal me. <laughs> I don't know. Slash Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, is that slash transfer money? Right. Here's my routing number. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, go read his work. He does a great job. Um, you're not going to regret it. It's going to be worth every penny. Trust me. Um, I subscribe. So there you go. Thank you, um, sir. Yeah, no problem. I think I still subscribe. I hope it just, like, keeps... It'll tell me if it if I don't, right? Yeah, it'll yell at you. It, it yell, I hope it, it would. It'll yell at you even if you do subscribe. It's weird. Not really? It yells at you if you subscribe? It, it does, I yeah. shouldn't do that. I know. It really shouldn't, but it does That's yell too aggressive. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know where to go. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back November 6th. Right. That's game one, Western Illinois. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night.